Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Awesome. I love the atmosphere, the faith in the building tonight, and I'm so excited. I'm so um, believing for God to do a work in every single one of our hearts tonight. Tonight, I want to share around staying hungry, and I'm not talking about food unless... I know, I'm sorry, but if you are hungry, there's a young adults hang at Nando's after the service, so you can get your food hit there. But tonight, I want to share around hunger for God. You know, when we first give our hearts to God, everything is new and exciting. It's like a new relationship. I don't know if you remember that season, maybe you're in it right now, where all you want to do is be around that person. And everything they say is so fascinating, even if they're telling you about what they had for breakfast or the most mundane details of their day. All you want to do is be talking to them. And if you're not talking to them, you're talking to your friends about them. Does anyone remember that season of being in a new relationship? Yeah, it's exciting, right? But then as time goes on, (laughs) if we're not intentional to stoke the fire, we can lose that hunger and that excitement and that fire. And you can still be committed, but you can be committed to a lifeless relationship. And so the same thing can happen with God and with our faith, that we can be talking about seeking God, seeking Him first this year, putting Him first. But if there's no passion or life in it, then it's not sustainable. And then not only that, but it just becomes another legalistic checkbox for us to tick. So I have been praying all week that tonight God will use me to stoke the fire of your hunger for God, that you'll begin to seek Him with a fresh passion and a fresh desire. And if you are here tonight and you don't yet have a relationship with God, then I've been praying that as I share a new desire, a new hunger will be birthed in you to have your own personal relationship with the living God. Amen? So let's pray as we get into the Word. God, we thank you so much for your presence. Lord, you are here. You are here and you know every single person in this room. You know, Father, what is on our mind tonight, what's weighing us down, what we're excited about, the people we have a crush on, those people excited about the new relationship. God, we just thank you, Father, that you know us and you love us and you see us. And God, I pray tonight that you will move in every single heart, that you, as we talk about you, as we lean into you, that you will draw us to yourself, that you will just stoke a new fire and a new hunger for us to seek you this year, that we would be getting up early and so hungry just to be in your presence. We'd have a new desire for your word, God. Lord, we just pray, do something in our hearts tonight as we gather around your word. And everybody said, amen, amen. Awesome. Cool. So let's first take a look at a couple of people in the Bible that are hungry for God. And first, I just want to read one of my favourite Psalms. This was written by David, who um, it was said that he was a man after God's own heart. And this Psalm, um, he wrote describing his relationship with God. And it's Psalm 63. 
And it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek You. I thirst for You. My whole being longs for You in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Isn't that beautiful? His hunger for God was so great that he said that God's love was better, like more meaningful to him than life itself. But we know that King David was a songwriter. So maybe you might think, well, maybe he's using his creative license there to describe his relationship with God. So let's see what someone else says. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. And he writes about his relationship with God in Philippians 3. And he's talking about everything that he's achieved and accomplished throughout his life. And then he says this, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. So two men, King David and Paul, their experience with the love of God resulted in a hunger for God so rich and so deep that everything else in their life paled in comparison. So where does that leave us? What do we do if that's not our current experience? Maybe you have never experienced the love of God in that way. Or maybe you have, but your hunger has died. So how do we stay hungry? And I'm aware that stay hungry has become a bit of a catchphrase that means to remain determined, competitive, motivated, active. But it's come to mean something that we kind of conjure up ourselves and we strive and we stir it up. But what does that look like then when it comes to our relationship with God? Especially if maybe the feelings might not be there. So let's take a look at 1 John 4.19. Very short but simple verse. It says, we love because He first loved us. What is that saying? It's saying that our love for God is actually a response to His love for us. His love comes first. In Romans 5.8, it says, God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still dirty, still imperfect, still on the journey, Christ died for us. Before we've even chosen Him, He loves us. So how do we stay hungry? Firstly, hunger for God is a gift from God. We don't conjure it up ourselves. Even our ability to love God comes from Him. And so the more we ponder, the more we think about, the more we marvel at God's love for us, the more our love for Him will grow. Ephesians 3, 14 to 19 says, When I think of all this, and this is Paul again, 
I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of of life and power that comes from God. What an incredible scripture. We don't have to strive. We don't have to stress. We don't have to try and work up a hunger for God. You can simply ask God to help you comprehend the greatness of His love for you. And then even as we begin to realise that it's too great for us to even begin to understand, it's so huge that we can never understand it fully, our hearts will start to begin to respond to His love. So if you feel that your hunger for God is lacking, start with a simple prayer. And ask God to reveal His love for you, give you a new revelation of His love for you. You know, my eldest son, Benji, is always hungry. And you know, I had heard of this phenomenon. I was warned by other mums of boys that this was coming, but I still was not prepared for the amount of food that boys can eat. Anyone else, any other mums of boys out there? I feed him dinner and five minutes later, he is still hungry. I have to pack him two lunches for school and not just sandwiches. This is like chicken and rice or uh, pasta or, um, you know, these toasted sandwiches with pesto and I don't know. Anyway, I do the food shop for a week and it's gone in a couple of days. But do you know why he is always hungry? Because he's growing, yes. (laughs) His body is requiring more and more fuel to sustain his growth. So how do we stay hungry for God? We keep growing. Growth creates an appetite. If we are growing in our relationship with God, and what do I mean by that? Because that can be a vague term. I mean, if we are taking steps of faith, If we're going through a challenge, but through it, we're choosing to trust Him. If we are working to apply God's Word in our lives and live it out, if we are growing in those ways, then we are actually going to create an appetite for more of God. You know, whenever I go through a season or a challenge and it's requiring a new level of trust, I have a choice. I can either distract myself with meaningless things Netflix, scrolling on social media, insert whatever it is for you, (laughs) which will lead me to complacency. 
or I can choose to allow that challenge to create a deeper appetite in me for the things of God. And at the moment, it looks like setting my alarm earlier than usual, getting up, going um, with on walks with God and praying and reading my Bible. It looks like daily, intentionally praying for wisdom and direction. Whenever the temptation to worry about a situation comes, you lift it back to God in trust. And sometimes that's multiple times a day. It means our intimacy and closeness to God should be growing as well. When I'm going through something, God is the first person I tell about it. And prayer, it's simply talking to God, like you would talk to your best friend. There's no required length for prayers, no special words you have to say. The Bible says that God knows our thoughts before before they're even on our tongue. So there's no point in trying to craft a perfect prayer because He heard all your imperfect thoughts anyway. (laughs) As we talk to Him, He talks back. And if this is not your experience, it can be. Have a hunger to hear from God. Jeremiah 29, 11, this is God speaking. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And God again in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God wants to speak to you and He often does it through His Word, through the Bible. As you read it, certain words are going to jump out and touch your heart. So don't rush when you read the Word. Don't try and read it too fast. Read it a few verses at a time and ponder it. Hold those verses in your mind and think about what they really mean. Ask God to explain it to you, to show you. Say, God, what does this mean? You wrote it. <laughs> Tell me. And He will show you. He, he will. It's a two-way relationship. And I make time for God in my day because He is important to me. If we are growing in our relationship with God, our hunger for Him will be growing as well. You know, one of Jesus' disciples, John, recounts a story where Jesus was travelling with his disciples and he stops to rest at a well while the disciples go to town to buy food. You might be familiar with it. And while he's there, he meets a Samaritan woman and she's come to draw water in the middle of the day, hottest part of the day. And yet she's so moved by her encounter with Jesus that she forgets her natural thirst. She actually leaves her water jar. She forgets to get any water and she runs back to the town to tell everyone about Jesus. And then we read in John 4, 39 to 42, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Isn't that awesome? How do we stay hungry for God? By sharing our faith with others. Sharing fuels our appetite. You know, the woman was so impacted by her encounter with Jesus that it created this urgency within her to share her story with others. A hunger that was more important than her physical needs in that moment. 
You know, there's nothing more fulfilling. There is nothing more meaningful than being able to play a part in leading someone else to their own personal relationship with Jesus. That deserves a clap. You know, before I knew God, I was completely insecure. I did not think about anybody else because my thoughts were so consumed with how I came across to other people and how, you know, trying to get my value from what other people thought of me. But when I opened my heart to God and He revealed His love for me, I finally began to see my value in His eyes, through His eyes. But more than that, He moved in my heart to actually become more aware of the needs of others. He gave me a love for others. You know, if you find that your hunger for God is lacking, remind yourself of what He has done for you. Talk about the great things He has done. Tell someone else. Amen. Amen. Do you ever go to the fridge and just stand there with the door open, but you don't know what you're hungry for? (laughs) The truth is, you know, we all have hunger, right? We all experience hunger, not just for food though. But we are created with the ability to desire. And it's that strong desire that actually motivates us to pursue things that we value. You know, I'm very grateful that my husband, Michael, pursued me. And I'm not sure why he continued to pursue me even after I initially rejected him for my mum's roast dinner. But he had a deep desire and a hunger that enabled him to push past that initial disappointment and rejection. You know, that definition of hunger and thirst is to have a strong desire or a craving for something. And that hunger moves us to action. If we want anything in life, it often starts with a hunger, with a desire. And we can hunger for things that are good for us and also for things that are not so good for us. We can have a legitimate hunger and yet fill it with things that give us a temporary satisfaction. But in the end, they don't truly fill us. You know, I was reading recently about how in Australia, in the Great Depression, people resorted to eating things that filled their bellies but did nothing for their body. And so they ended up dying of starvation with full bellies. What an accurate description of our world today. Full of stuff, full of opinions, full of information, full of lust, but starving of true love, of true meaning, of purpose. You know, we can also fill ourselves on things that are good, but miss out on what is better and what is best. There are a lot of good things that we can pursue in this life, but in our single-minded pursuit of these good things, we actually miss out on what is better, which is why we need to apply wisdom to our desires and our hunger and our appetites and not just pursue what we want at the expense of everything and everyone else. For example, pursuing a career at the expense of your family or success at the expense of your integrity or character or a relationship at the expense of your values or acceptance at the expense of your God-created identity. You know, John says in 1 John 2, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, 
a craving or a hunger for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave or hunger for. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You know, we're all made with an inbuilt desire for God. We're made to be hungry for Him, for His love. But when we don't know Him, we try to fill that void with everything that the world offers. We look for meaning in our careers. We look for love in physical pleasure. We look for our identity in achievements. We look for validation in success. But like John said, all of those things pass away and in the end, The satisfaction they provide is only temporary and they leave us more empty, continually searching for something else. But God wants to fill your hunger with himself. And this was um, David's experience. He was not a perfect man in any way and yet he had a real relationship with God. And just pulled out a few things from his Psalms. In Psalm 107, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. In Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Once we taste and see that the Lord is good, the things of the world no longer appeal to us in the same way. And the truth is that the only one who really knows what is best for us is the one who created us. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, when he's teaching his disciples, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. But what does righteousness mean really? Because I used to think of righteousness as being good, always doing the right thing. And it doesn't sound very exciting, I know. But actually, it's talking about being made right with God. You know, the question of whether we are right with God is so important because what we believe about God, whether we realise it or not, it actually affects everything else that we believe. For example, our meaning. Why are we here? Our identity. Who are we? And do we have value? Our morality. How shall we live? And our destiny. Where are we going? If God exists, then there is an ultimate meaning and purpose to our lives. And if our life has meaning, then there is a right and a wrong way for us to live. And if there is right and there is wrong, that means our choices are important, that they not only affect us here, but they're going to affect us for eternity. And not only us, but our family and all whose lives that we will impact. The question about whether we are right with God matters greatly and we owe it to ourselves and to those we love to investigate it. In Romans 1.20, Paul says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. 
What he's saying is there's the detail and the care in every living thing points to a creator, an ultimate designer. And some might ask why God might not be as obvious in revealing himself to us as we would like. And I love this quote um, Frank, from Frank Turek in his book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. It's a great read. He says, One beauty of God's creation is this. If you're not willing to accept Christ, then you are free to reject him. For if the Bible is true, then God has provided each of us with the opportunity to make an eternal choice to either accept him or reject him. And in order to ensure that, ensure that our choice is truly free, he puts us in an environment that is filled with evidence of his existence, but without his direct presence, a presence so powerful that it could overwhelm our freedom and thus negate our ability to reject him. In other words, God has provided enough evidence in this life to convince anyone willing to believe. Yet He's also left some ambiguity so as not to compel the unwilling. In this way, God gives us the opportunity either to love Him or to reject Him without violating our freedom. In fact, the purpose of this life is to make that choice freely and without coercion. For love, by its very definition, must be freely given. It cannot be coerced. So good, hey? I want to encourage you tonight that you might not be able to see God in this moment, but He is here. And though you can't see Him, He has revealed Himself to us through His Son, Jesus, and made a way for us all to know Him. In Romans 3.22, it says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. There is nothing we can do on our own to make ourselves right with God. Jesus has done it for us. All it requires from us is humble repentance, acknowledging Jesus is God and asking Him to be the Lord of our life. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.